Acts chapter 13. It's very exciting to be back. Boy, I tell you what, I'm a little, uh, I knew it was going to all hit me when I stood up here. And, uh, but, uh, wow, what a, what a great, uh, great honor, a great privilege to be standing here. For those of you that maybe don't know us or uh, I'm a new face to you, my name is Mike Newberger, and my wife Kelly and I and our three children were members here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And it's been our great privilege to represent the church traveling for the last two years all over the country, uh, presenting the need to start a new church uh, in Brooklyn. And so what I'm going to attempt to do tonight is something a little unusual uh, as far as preaching, uh, as far as for me. Uh, I'm looking at my sermon notes here, and this doesn't look anything like what I'm used to doing. So we're going to see what happens here, a little bit of an experiment. But what I'm going to try to do is preach a testimony, okay? And uh, uh, in fact, most of the preaching I found in the Bible, that's what it is, is people giving their testimony. So I think this is going to work tonight. And uh, if it doesn't, just tell, the, tell pastor it was good anyway, okay? <laughs> Acts chapter 13, and let's begin actually from cha- the last verse of chapter 12 into chapter 13. Very familiar passage here at this church. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry or excuse me, when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So Barnabas and Saul have come home to the church at Antioch. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, which was brought up, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, I'm sure Brother Peter's going to correct me after service about how I pronounce those, but anyway, there you go. There's my attempt. So we have the church in Antioch. What did they do there at that church 2,000 years ago? Well, this, hopefully this sounds familiar. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, it's a great opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you so much for our church. Thank you for this place for us to assemble in, Lord, that's so clean and comfortable and, and um, special to us. Lord, thank you for our Bible. And that, Lord, although we read it and its words were penned many hundreds of years ago, the words are, are so real and true today. And I pray that tonight people would see their lives, the life, their church life, and their life as they serve you here in this passage. And that, Lord, you would, you would um, exhort us to do more for the cause of missions. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our church here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is known for being a very giving church. Uh, we have a reputation for giving very heavily to missions and praise God for that. Uh, in fact, when some people hear the total, I'm sure it kind of surprises them that that much money that comes in goes out the door to other causes. <laughs> it doesn't help us at all, but we're being obedient to the Lord. It's very exciting. But can I tell you something that may surprise you? That Open Door Bible Baptist Church does not have a missions program. It doesn't. Did you know that? Say, Brother Mike, I've been putting a lot of money on that envelope. You're telling me we don't have a missions program? (laughs) Let's look here at this passage, and we'll see if that's true or not. 
The church at Antioch must have been a very exciting place to serve the Lord. We see here some pretty big names, Bible names here in this church. We see Saul. <laughs> the Apostle Paul is ministering here from the church of Antioch. We see Barnabas. We see some great leaders. And Antioch was a big city, so I think we can relate to it, that it was a big, popular place, and there was a lot going on there. In fact, Christianity, Bible Christianity, was very rare at the time. If you remember back in chapter 11, verse 26, those famous words that said, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This was the place where the term Christian was first established, to be Christ-like, a little Christ. The first time that was mentioned was of the believers here at Antioch. Wouldn't you have loved to sit in the pews with them? Those whose lives, their testimony to the world around them was such that when people identified them, they said, that person is like the one they call Jesus Christ. Wow, what an amazing testimony. And there was a new label that was very unique to their culture. And Barnabas and Saul have just returned from a very exciting missionary journey. That's what we see here in chapter 11 and chapter 12. They had gone to be a blessing to other churches while they represented the church at Antioch. Isn't that an incredible thing? They had raised funds and they went to be a relief to other churches. Is this sounding a little bit familiar? I mean, this is exciting here. And they returned home to Antioch and what they found there was a healthy, vibrant church. So I have to ask, what was going on there at Antioch? What made it such a special place? Well, first of all, verse 1 tells us that they were preaching the gospel there. It says that there were several pastors and teachers, Barnabas, um, Simeon, and the others that are listed there. There were several that were preachers and teachers. And not only that, they were a very diverse crowd. You had some that came from heavily Jewish backgrounds, some that came from heavily Greek backgrounds. Uh, you have um, uh, a, a people of, uh, that were probably from a lower poverty sort of level of life, and you have some that came from a very wealthy station in life. You see there mentioned um, uh, Mannion, who there's some, you can read some things about him, but probably a very wealthy, very educated person brought up with Herod. So the pastors there were from all over the known world at the time and from all different sort of backgrounds. And prophets at that time, it mentions prophets there, but remember that prophets, they not just, they weren't just, sometimes when I think of prophets, I think of someone that predicts the future, right? He's a prophet. But they don't just tell what's going to happen. They, they don't just foretell, they also forthtell. They also tell uh, what God has said, not just what he's saying about the future. And so they were preaching the gospel there. But what else was going on? Verse 2 tells us, as they ministered to the Lord. So there was ministry happening there. Can I remind us of a very common passage uh, from uh, Matthew chapter 28? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The great commission which was given to the church. And so we see here the church of Antioch carrying out that commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, going forth in their area and preaching the gospel. So there was preaching going on. And if they're fulfilling the commission, that means there's not just preaching and outreach, but there's baptizing going on as well. People are obeying the gospel. They're believing. And so as they're following the Lord, they're being baptized and they're being added to the church. And there's discipling going on. And no doubt, uh, if they were being obedient to the Lord, then they were also ministering to fatherless and widows. And verse 2 tells us that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So there was prayer and fasting going on in the church of Antioch. Now, uh, 
how many of you are like me? Whenever you hear fasting even being mentioned, you automatically feel guilty that you're not doing it more. <laughs> That's one of those words for me. As soon as someone mentions it, I know right away that I probably should be doing that more. But they had there a church that was fasting. And of course, we know what fasting is here, and it is done here at this church, praise the Lord. But denying self in order to hear clearly from God. You know, it's, it's um, denying self to worship the Lord, putting self down so that we can raise the Lord up, so we can get clarity and direction from Him. And it wasn't just done in times of trouble. In fact, it, tells us, it doesn't really tell us here there's any compelling difficulty at the moment going on. Uh, sometimes in my life, a fast usually comes before when I'm in a pinch. You know what I mean? Something difficult is coming, uh, but... Uh, we don't really see that clearly indicated here. So there was fasting not just in times of difficulty, but in times of prosperity as well, constantly seeking the Lord's direction for their church and for their lives. And in verse 2, it tells us that the Holy Ghost was directing the church to send out missionaries. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. See, God sets a pastor to lead the church. But it's the Holy Ghost that superintends over it. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're familiar with the school system at all, you know, principals, they kind of lead. The, they're in charge of the school. They're responsible for it. But then there's a, their boss, the superintendent. And the superintendent says, okay, this money goes here, and this person goes here, and we put this one over here and that one over there. They superintend over the work of the system. And the Holy Ghost does that in the church. He sets a pastor to lead it, but he superintends in the life of the people. And when he says, I want this person to go here, then they obey. And that's what was happening there in the church of Antioch. The, although the, the men were there, and I'm sure, boy, having Saul in your church, I mean, getting up and hearing his messages, you wouldn't want him to go, would you? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said, him and Barnabas, they need to go to a work that I have called them. So there was a lot going on. And verse 3 tells us, And when they had, minist- when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, They sent them away, a very special time in the church where they're now sending out missionaries to represent their church along the way. You see, as they ministered to the Lord at Antioch, the Lord was separating out missionaries. So this is what I'm, this is my conclusion, is that the Antioch Baptist Church, I don't know if that was the name, but that's what I'm going to say it was, the Antioch Baptist Church did not have a missions program. They did not. They were a missions program. You know, the Open Door Bible Baptist Church doesn't really have a missions program. We are a missions program. Everything going on in this church is for the furtherance of the gospel. That every... Everything on your prayer list, you see there tonight, the the different ministries of the church, the things that are going on, they're not for the furtherance of ourself. They're for the furtherance of the gospel. And in some way or another, they're all connected to the idea of sending the gospel not only to our neighborhood, not only to our state and our country, but to the regions beyond. And we've had the privilege for the last two years to travel and represent the church um, in the need for starting another church in Brooklyn. Now, I want to kind of take maybe a pause here from um, the text and kind of tell you a little bit about our experience because we've had a lot of people asking a lot of questions and, uh, you know, maybe we're not all quite on the same page and maybe you're just asking, what in the world have the Newburgers been up to for the last two years? Where have they been? So I want to tell you a little bit about that and not for the glory of self, but to the glory of God, and just tell you, hopefully it's a story of how the Lord has uh, been leading, not only through our lives, but through the ministry of this church in our lives. So for those of you that don't know us, we moved here uh, three years ago and moved into Astoria, having come from Oklahoma City. 
Now, my wife and I are originally from Maryland, but we spent six years in Oklahoma City for school. And so we were aged 17 to 24 in Oklahoma City. That is, um, uh, in having our first two children there, that is a very pivotal time in your life. And so I have to confess, I got a little bit of Oklahoma in me, okay? I, I just have to confess that. And uh, uh, I even say y'all from sometimes, sometimes, okay? So you're going to have to help me with that. If you hear me saying that, tell me, you know, pinch me or something and tell me, Brother Mike, don't be saying that here. But I probably have even developed a little bit of an accent. And Taylor, we call him our hick because he just has a, he has a heavy Midwestern accent. But, uh, you know, we were there for quite a while. And we moved here to Astoria. And what a transition time in our lives. And many of you were here and you remember that. And we were so green. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Now, I had been here several different times. My wife had been here a couple times, but we had never been in a New York... She had never been in a New York City apartment. We had just... We had no idea what we were doing. And we rented a place, and actually, I rented a place. I didn't even show it to Miss Kelly first. That was a big mistake. Uh, I rented a place up here on Astoria Boulevard and 29th Street. A uh, pastor went over there with me, and he said, this is a dream. I would get it. And so I signed all the papers, and then I took Miss Kelly to see it. So that was a big mistake, Okay. Now, I did the same thing with our vehicle, but on this last apartment, I didn't do that, okay? I did learn my lesson. But we went over there, we moved in, and we, our time here was uh, a time of training with Pastor Montoro, but it was also a time to see if we could survive. Because <laughs> if you know anybody who's moved into the city, uh, New York City, excuse me, uh, from, uh, from outside, and they're not really familiar with the culture here, you know it can be very difficult on people, and especially if they have families. And it can usually be, I've, I've kind of noticed the cycle seems to be, you know, folks move in while they're single, they like it, they get married, okay, great. Then they have kids and they realize, we don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and they seem to, to uh, migrate out. Now that trend has actually changed in the last few years, but that's sometimes how it goes. And so the year here was a time to learn, a time to, to see the reality of what it is to be here. A lot of people think they know what it's like to be in New York City because they visited for a week. Uh, they don't know anything, right? <laughs> Just because you've been in Times Square doesn't mean you have any clue what it's like to be in New York City. And we found that out to be very true, that living here was quite a different reality. And during that time, we felt the whole time that God was leading us to start a church here. But during that year, God gave us some time to confirm that, to confirm that calling. And it wasn't through a year of high fives, praise the Lord, everything's going great. In fact, many of you know it was through a lot of difficulty. It was through a lot of struggle. It was through a lot of hard times. And as when we look back over that year, we all, all, the only first thing that, excuse me, the first thing that comes into our mind is, is happy thoughts. We enjoyed that year. But as we contemplate and think back on it, we realize those, that was probably the toughest year of our life and of our lives. But over that year, we learned some lessons. We tried to learn from Pastor Montoro. I have to admit, I didn't always listen. But through time, through, like Brother Franz said, discussions in the office, we uh, got to the point uh, where we felt that God was confirming our calling and giving us some clear direction. And so we felt that the Lord was calling us to start a church here in New York. And so, of course, that kind of commitment doesn't come without its cost. And there is a cost, is there not? I mean, y'all know. Uh, I just said it right there. There you go, y'all. This isn't the cheapest place in the world to live. And so with that commitment came, uh, with any calling um, comes preparation. Anytime you're called to do anything, you're called to prepare for it. And so some preparation had to take place. And so what pastor asked us to do was to go on the road, visit other churches, and present this need to them. You say, Brother Mike, 
why didn't you call the Baptist uh, Association and, and tell them that you want to start a church and get some funding? Well, if you, may, if you don't know, we are an independent Baptist church, which means there is no office that you call. That's the office right there. <laughs> if pastor needs to raise, he doesn't call some, somebody and put in a request. He comes up here and puts in a request. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's the nature of an independent Baptist church is that there is, no, there is no outside direction to the church. We believe that's the scriptural way. You see that right here in this passage. You don't see a, some denominational office tell, lording over the church. The Holy Spirit is superintending over the church. And so with that calling to start another church, we realize that there's some expense involved. And uh, this church is, takes care of our pastor. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, praise the, I'm going to say that again. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, takes care of the pastor, took care of us with a part-time salary while we were here, took care of our insurance, and praised the Lord for that. And, um, but to start a church, to, have, to, to, be, to work in that sort of ministry, is going to take some income above that. And so just like we support missionaries on foreign fields and we support church planners, I went out and put the case out there to churches around the country. And during our travels, um, we had some amazing experiences. I'm not going to share them all with you tonight. I just want to give you an idea of sort of the flavor of what it was like to be out there representing Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We moved out of our apartment in uh, April of 2011, and we, put, we drove down to Maryland with a, with a rental truck. Pastor and his uh, kids came over. They helped us load it up, and we, re- we drove, a, uh, drove all of our stuff to Maryland, dropped it off at my brother's house, the next day, we rented a car and drove to Oklahoma, and there waiting for us was a 22-foot motorhome. And I don't think anybody got to see a picture of it. Maybe some people got to see it uh, along the way uh, when we were at uh, Brother Franz's wedding there. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a blessing to have. And God, just through some miraculous circumstances, provided that vehicle. And we moved in. Now, we enjoyed our apartment in Astoria. It was actually very large for an apartment in Astoria. But uh, moving into the motorhome was a unique experience in and of itself. <laughs> and we were grateful to have it, but I'm telling you, it was kind of tiny. And uh, Miss Kelly, we had just found out that she was expecting our third child, and so we set off uh, on the road. And what we did was we had prearranged, had all, while we were living here, calling around to different churches and asking them if we could come present the need to start a church. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's, that happens here on a weekly basis. Missionaries call Pastor Montoro, and they, they, they make their pitch. They try to see, you know, is, is, do you believe the Lord would have us come and present our ministry? And so I did that. I stayed on the phones a lot, a lot on the phones, a lot of emailing, a lot of calling, a lot of hearing no, which I totally understand. But uh, we went out there. And we started a two-year journey of preaching and presenting in almost every service that we were at. So our weekly schedule was, you know, usually Sunday morning in a church, Sunday night in a church, Wednesday night in a different church, like that. Or sometimes all day Sunday, a different church Sunday, Wednesday night. Or sometimes we'd be in a missions conference for several days, a Wednesday through Sunday, or even once a Sunday to Sunday. And uh, we would preach. And I know this is probably commonplace, you know, you know what I'm talking about for some people, but some people just don't know. And so I wanted to kind of share that. Um, that's basically what we did. So in a different church every single week, and we got to go all over the country. Honey, I forgot to count how many states it was. How many would you guess? Over 30. Over 30. Over 30 states. Um, over 38,000 miles traveled. My count is 112 churches. I should have double-checked with you on that. My wife is good at that kind of thing. Over 112 churches, a lot of great experiences. Can I tell you that there's some great churches out there? We're not alone. 
this is a great church. This is a special church. But can I tell you, there's some great churches out there. And uh, the Lord is working in some amazing ways all over our country. And if you look at the news and you're feeling especially down about what's going on, can I tell you that the cause of Christ is still going strong, that the kingdom of God is still working, that there are great churches all over the country serving the Lord. And we may never ever meet them on this side of glory, but they're where they are in their place serving the Lord just like you are. And even tonight, all over our country, there are thousands, millions of faithful Christians at their church hearing their preacher, hearing a lousy sermon, just like you are. I'm just kidding. And, uh, but they're being faithful to where God has called them. And it's such a great encouragement to go to a place that you've never heard of, never meet people you've never met before, and see that they've been serving the Lord faithfully for so many years. It's a very exciting thing. Through that, about 55 churches have committed so far to take us on for support, which represents about 80% of our financial support. And that is a very exciting thing. Uh, if, I don't want to bore you with a bunch of statistics about how long it takes missionaries to, to, to raise support. Uh, you know, when you see a missionary come in, how long that takes. But can I tell you, it should take longer than that <laughs> to be at 80%. That is an incredible miracle in and of itself and something we should praise the Lord about. So when, and I want to tell you a little bit about what we were trying to do. Over that time, we were trying to convince people of the opportunity to start churches in New York City. I hope you're convinced about that fact. <laughs> I hope you feel the, uh, the burden, just as much as those 55 churches do, that we need to start more churches in New York City. That there, we, need, we want people to come to New York City and to fulfill their calling uh, to start a church or to minister here uh, among... There, there's just so many places. If you haven't looked at a subway map recently, just open it up and look at all the many places that would be great opportunities to start a church. There's, there's opportunities everywhere. God has led us specifically to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which is just south of Astoria. If you go through Long Island City over the bridge, you're there. So it's pretty close. In Greenpoint, Brooklyn, there are no Baptist churches. There's one small handful of folks. They're all from the same country. Uh, but really, there's, there's not any uh, independent Baptist church of any kind. As far as churches where the minister would stand up and preach a message like this morning, like we heard on Friday night, uh, that you're a sinner and that if you're not saved, you're going to go to hell and God's provided uh, salvation through Jesus Christ, a clear gospel message. Not, not a whole lot down there uh, that preach a message like that. And so we try to convince churches of the need to, to support a work in New York City. Now, in some places, that was easy to do. Some people said, yeah, absolutely, New York City, what a great mission field. In other places... I don't think it had ever crossed anyone's mind <laughs> that you would need a missionary in New York City. The people, it's hard for them, especially in the Midwest sometimes, to grasp that when you sit in this church, you're sitting with people from all over the world. It's an incredible experience. I don't know if you've thought about that lately, but Astoria is an amazing place to live and minister in. Amazing place to say your church home is here. And really the most diverse neighborhood in New York City. And so we try to let people know that that's what it's like to be here, that when you minister to people here, when you go pass out tracts here, you're passing out tracts to people from all over the world. And that provides a great opportunity. Now, do we need missionaries to go all over the world? Absolutely. But we have the opportunity here where the whole world has come to us, and we get to minister to them. It's just such an amazing opportunity, and it's something we try to communicate to other churches. We try to communicate to them from two basic messages. I preached both of them here before, but I doubt you remember them. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to preach them both right now. But one of them was from 2 Timothy chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but maybe mark that sometime. 
I tr- that was the main one that I, I, I preached. If I had one shot to preach to a church, it was always that sermon. And, it was, and I, I really believe that the Lord had led me to do that because the message there was so clear not only to present our ministry, but a clear message for Miss Kelly and I as well. You see, Timothy there was left in the city of Ephesus. Now, they call Ephesus the New York City of its day. It was a large, multicultural place. And Timothy was a young, fearful, tearful preacher. That's how he's described in 2 Timothy chapter 1. A young, fearful man, probably not over the age of 30. That is young. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. I'm almost there. He was a young man. And he was left in the city of Ephesus without the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul left him there, and he was all alone. And the message that Paul communicated to Timothy in that letter was this that God had given him purpose and grace, not according to his works, but according uh, to the purpose and grace that, excuse me, God had given him a calling. I am, this translator is, I'm sorry, you've got to put up with me tonight. Pastor is so much better at this than I am. That God had given Timothy a calling, and it wasn't according to his works. It was according to the purpose and grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now, that's a great message for Brother Mike, isn't it? Because when you send Brother Mike down there, you want him to know, Brother Mike, we're not sending you down there because you're a hot shot. Because you got everything it takes to make it happen in Greenpoint. You're going down there because it's God's purpose that you go down there. And you're not, what you're going to find there is not your abilities, but you're going to find the grace of God to fulfill that calling. Right? And so I preach that message many times to people all over the country. Probably, probably almost 90, time, 90 times. But in all those times, as I was preaching it to those people and telling them that God had given them purpose, not in themselves, not in their works, not in who they are, not in their talents and abilities, but God had given them purpose through Jesus Christ. As I was stand up there and preach it week after week after week, that message, as much as I was preaching it to those people and as much as I wanted God to get a hold of their heart and for them to come down to the altar and submit to the wonderful purposes of God that he has for their life, as much as I was preaching it to them, I was preaching it to myself, <laughs> that as we go down here and we, we begin this next journey in our lives, that we remember that we're not going there according to our works. If we look at Brother Mike's resume, I'm not sure if uh, I would vote for myself to go down there. <laughs> but we're going down there according to the purpose of God. And if we're going down there for that reason, we're going to find amazing grace to fulfill that calling. What a great, powerful message that was to preach, but also to preach to hear myself that we need God's grace in our lives. And then I also preached, um, if I had two chances to preach, then I also preached out of 1 Samuel 14. And I want to write that down and just check it out later, but it's one of those David and Goliath sort of stories in the Bible with Jonathan and his armor bearer going out against 10,000 Philistines, two men against 10,000. And they run out there, and I look at Jonathan and think, wow, he was a, he was a crazy man to go do something like that. And I'm sure as people looked at me up there presenting in churches, they must have thought, this guy is crazy. If he's going to go to New York City and start a church, he's out of his mind. But you know what? Jonathan didn't go against 10,000 people because he was a crazy man. He didn't, he didn't go out there because he was an eccentric personality. The Bible says in that chapter that he told his armor bearer, for there was no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. The reason that Jonathan went out there was not because he thought, he thought that he could win the battle, It's because he knew that whether they had two men or whether they had 20,000 men, if God wanted there to be victory, then victory was going to happen. Then nothing could stop God from saving, whether they had many or whether they have few. 
And as much as I try to communicate that to the people in the churches that we preached in and tell them, hey, you may feel like you're a small church. You may feel like you're just one person. What can you do? If it's you and God's, uh, God's will, then you're going to be able to do it. That nothing, there's many things that can restrain you from doing the things that you want to do, but nothing can restrain God from doing what he wants to do. And as passionately as I tried to preach that message, I was preaching it to myself, <laughs> to Miss Kelly, to our family. That as we go down there to Greenpoint to start a church, that's a crazy thing to do. I mean, we're one family. Now, we're going to be working together with, with this church. Praise God for that. And many have already volunteered to help. And we'll, Pastor will let you know more about that as, as the weeks go on. But one family planting themselves in a neighborhood where you don't know anybody and trying to start a church from absolutely nothing. There's no building down there waiting for us. Well, there is one for sale. It's only $7 million. So, you know, that, that, that can happen, right? Well, there's no building waiting for us. There's no people waiting for us. The neighborhood's not begging for a church. That seems crazy. That seems impossible. But you know what? There's nothing that can restrain the Lord to say by many or by few. And though we don't have a big team of people to do it, and even though we don't have an unlimited purse to fund it, there's nothing that can restrain God. And if God would will it that there be a church there, then there's going to be one there. What a great message. What a, what a great message. And enjoyed preaching that all over the place, but enjoyed letting it uh, to challenge my heart. And I stressed the need while we were traveling and preaching that we need to, um, we believe God wants us to live in Greenpoint. Now, this was something that Pastor Montoro tried to teach us, that it was important that we go down there and live in that neighborhood. And in case you didn't hear, that neighborhood is expensive. <laughs> uh, we just praise God. I thank the Lord. We got, a, we got an apartment down there, and, and glory to God for that and how he's provided. Um, but that's at great cost financially. And, uh, and thank God for those churches that are supporting us. And I can tell you that of those churches that are supporting us, they're behind that idea. They want us to live down there and minister among the people that we're living with. Can I t share with you a few things that folks have said to us uh, in our travels? Uh, one of them, uh, just, some, just some little thoughts. I actually today went uh, through my journal. And uh, do you, if you keep a journal, you ever go back through and read that thing? You're like, well, you know, uh, sometimes it's, it's really exciting to see. And, and other times you're like, what was I thinking back then? You know, and uh, you kind of have clearer perspective. If you don't keep a journal, I would definitely recommend doing that. Uh, it can be very challenging to your life. And... Uh, I think that's probably a lot of what Psalms was, was David's sort of prayer, prayer journal. I think Pastor Montoro calls it that, the prayer journal um, of David. And uh, yeah. anyway, so I went through today and uh, just some of our experience over the last two years, some things that I wrote down that people had said. Somebody said this, I never thought of New York City as a mission field, but now I think it's the most important one. <laughs> Isn't that neat that people would say? And that wasn't, that wasn't just an isolated incident. I heard that said all the time. People, people say, I, I never thought of it as a mission field. never crossed my mind. I would try to convince people as I was presenting the ministry um, by way of video and giving a testimony. I would tell them, think about, um, think about all the times you see New York City. That I, You can put up a, a picture of the skyline of Manhattan. You can be in uh, the middle of nowhere in uh, Mississippi where they don't want to be anywhere near, near New York City. And yet they, they can identify those buildings. They know exactly where that is just from a simple image of the city. It's incredible. It's the culture icon of our, of our country. In fact, when you see advertisements and uh, things on television and on the Internet, it usually shows people using the product where? In New York City. Isn't that funny how they do that? Because in, our, in, our Amer in the American mind, all across the country, 
Mar the way products are marketed is show somebody using the product in New York City. So, I mean, Times Square. It seems like you know, every day, every moment of the day, there's somebody there promoting some product. We're going to launch a book, so let's launch it in Times Square. We're going to launch this software, this device. Let's launch it in Times Square. Why? Because in an Amer the American mind, people think if people are doing it in New York City, it must be worth doing. And I would try my best to apply that spiritually as well, that here in New York City, the whole world is watching. And I want God to do something great. And he may only, we may never do anything that's ever going to make a headline or anything like that, but we want God to move in such a way that, it's, that other believers and other people know all over the country, you can serve the Lord anywhere, even in a place like this. And I don't look at it as, well, we have to be there. I cannot believe I get to serve the Lord in the greatest city in the world, with the greatest people in the world. I am so excited about it. I got off topic there, didn't I? Somebody said this, every time I see New York City, I will pray for Greenpoint and for Astoria. We have some people now that are not just praying for, for the Newburgers, but they're praying for you. They're praying for this church. They're excited about what this church has chosen to do. I believe God's used our testimony in other churches to be a challenge, that they have seen what God has done here in Astoria, and they're, they, they've been convicted about that. They've said, what can God do here in our town? And they see that this church is prepared to, to do what it takes to see another church started, and it's challenged their church. I've watched pastors, after I preach, stand up and tell their people, we need to think about starting a church too. That's, been, that's, that's, a, that's fruit to your account, that what God is doing here in this church is making an impact all across the nation. Praise the Lord for that. And can I also just say, side note, things like what pastor's doing tonight, going out to a different church and preaching and going up to Canada and preaching at those meetings and going out to Oklahoma... God is using our pastor all over the country, and I think it is such an exciting thing. We've got to kind of have a front row seat to that. We saw him uh, preach uh, in San Diego uh, when he was out there at that meeting. We were there too. I've watched him preach at Heartland numerous times, seeing his involvement. We were there during the um, – he went out there for a week to – it was kind of a meet the directors week where the students got to be one-on-one -on -one with the directors and just to see Pastor Montoro surrounded by a group of college students, and they're begging him for advice about how to serve the Lord. I wish, I wish I could have brought you all out there to see that. I mean, it was an incredible thing. God is using our pastor in amazing ways. And can I just say, not, not from a position of leadership, but just to give my two cents, we need to support that. We need to be behind that 110%. When he's not here, to be praying for them. Uh, I'm, I'm glad their family got to go together tonight, and let's just, let's just hold them up in prayer and say, God, use our pastor here in Astoria, but use him anywhere you want to use him. If you want to use him in Oklahoma, use him there. If you want to use him in Canada, use him there. Wherever you want to use him, Lord, please, God, bless his ministry. God is, and he doesn't go out there representing himself. I'm sure you know that. He goes out there representing you, and, uh, and he's always clear to, to make that distinction everywhere he goes. So uh, anyway, I got off again, but that's, that's a very important thing. I have a, a man named Brother Joel. He emails me once a month, and he says, I'll be praying for you and praying for Astoria. And he's a prayer warrior, and, uh, and uh, I believe that he will. Went to uh, Cleveland Baptist Church. Cleveland Baptist Church started this church over 20 years ago. Sent Pastor Montoro here. And I went there and visited, and they told me that uh, you know, their missions funds were just at the max. And, and, of course, I can understand that. And uh, they're supporting a lot of missionaries, and it's a large church. And I just said, well, I'd like to just come and be in the service and just get a little piece of history and know where we're coming from because our church is going to be a, a grandchild of that church. And so Brother Folger said, well, why, Brother Mike, why don't you come up here and, and give us a testimony and pray? So I went up there in front of the church, and I gave that testimony. I said, we're going to go start a grandbaby church. 
uh, that you started the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and now we're going to go start the Blank Baptist Church. Now, we don't have a name for it yet, by the way, so I am open to suggestions, but if I don't choose yours, don't be offended, okay? Um, uh, well, we're going to go start a grandbaby church from the Cleveland Baptist Church. And uh, Brother Folger came up to me afterwards, and he just said, we have to get behind that. And I took us on for support. So, you know, that was a great experience. But even the church that started this one, they're behind what we're doing. And they're excited that their church, what they have done is continuing to repeat itself. And that's what should happen. Churches start churches. And then I've, had, I've heard this many times. We want to come and help. I have at least a dozen offers from different churches that want to bring a group out here and they want to pass out tracts and they want to go out in the streets and preach and they want to do everything they can. They want to help us with, you know, cleaning a facility. If we get something like that, whatever it takes, they want to help us get going and they want to be a part of what this church is doing. So uh, that's a very exciting thing as well. Can I tell you that Open Door Bible Baptist Church has a great reputation and it is a very special place. That as I've traveled around it, even as I've called pastors and been on the phones calling hundreds of pastors, when they hear the name Open Door Bible Baptist Church, it means something to them. This church is known as a giving and a special place where miracles have happened and are continuing to happen. We have a great legacy all over the country. We really do. And I've, I've met missionaries along the way who have had to change sending churches over the years missionaries that have to apologize for who they're sending church is. I'm not trying to say we're holier, better than thou, or anything like that, all to the glory of God. I, with such pride, I can tell people when they ask, who's your sending church, who's your sending pastor, open door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria, Pastor Pete Montoro. With pride, I get to say that. And it was, it was thank you for waiting till we got back to do the Lord's Supper this year. We hadn't done that. We believe the, the Lord's Supper is a local church ordinance, so, so we have not participated in it since we've been gone until last week. And I want to tell you, that was a special, special service. And to hear Pastor get up and, and talk about where his ministry is going to see. Uh, he's not here, so this isn't sucking up. You know, he's not hearing it or anything. Um, to hear him talk about where his ministry is going, understanding where this church is going, having clear direction from the Lord, Seeing that the Holy Spirit is indeed superintending over the members of this church was a very special thing. Now, I don't think I cried in a sermon once in two years, and now here I am doing it. This is a special place. And I, hope, I, hope, I know you're not taking it for granted, but I hope you would just remember that from someone who's seen. I know I don't have a lot of years of experience, but has, I've seen a lot of different places. And, and, and I don't have any horror stories to report. We've been in nothing but great churches. But I want to tell you, we've never been in a church like this church. This is a special, special place. And, and so I want to also just share with you as we conclude what we're planning to do. Just briefly, I'm, I don't want to give any details. I want to let Pastor be the one to lead um, in, that, in that area but we're, we're moving to Greenpoint. In fact, we, we're tomorrow. We got a place, praise God, and we're going to go uh, steal the church air mattresses and, and uh, get moved in. And uh, we're excited about that. We're going to plan ourselves in Greenpoint and try to be involved in the, the community and learning what it's like to be there, going to different uh, functions within the community and just planning ourselves in there. Over time, we're going to do some, some, some work to find a place to meet and eventually hold services. Lots of details there to work out. Um, but needless to say, we're starting from scratch. So we need a lot of prayer. We need direction from the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to superintend over the whole work. We were asking God for another miracle. This is the miracle on 35th Street, that this church cannot be here 
if it wasn't for a miracle of God. You look back over the history of this church, and you couldn't say it was through any great strategic planning that anyone did that this church is here. It's been one miracle story after another. Every church that is started is really that way, that ever makes it, is a miracle. The churches that support us are all miracles. This church is a miracle. Now we need to ask God for another miracle, (laughs) another miracle in North Brooklyn. And I want to encourage you as you think about what happened there in the church of Antioch, that men came into the church and we're serving, we're growing, and God sent them out. The Holy Spirit said, I'm separating them out for a work. Well, you, were you, were, some of you might have been here. Well, most of you are probably, probably here when we, we had that commissioning service. And people came forward and laid hands on us and hands on each other. And we just got connected there for a moment. And the church prayed and, and commissioned us to this work. That was a wonderful experience. Unforgettable experience and a special experience. And what we are going to do is been done thousands of times before. It's been done right here in this passage, and yet it is still just as special as ever, and it is still just as dependent on the Holy Spirit's intervention and work. And I hope tonight from this message that you don't see what my, Brother Mike's been up to, but you see what God's been doing in, the li- in our life, in the life of this church, and what he's going to do there in North Brooklyn. We are totally dependent on him. And maybe you're wondering where your part is in missions. It may not be out there on the foreign field. Now, we want people to go out to the foreign field, don't we? We need people on the foreign field. And it would be a blessing if someone from this church went on the foreign field. But we don't just need goers. We need faithful stayers. I came across a poem that I think would be a fitting conclusion from C. Austin Miles. It says this, It may be I must carry the blessed word of life across the burning deserts to those in sinful strife. And though it be my lot to bear my colors there, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. We'll go down to North Brooklyn. We'll be there. We'll be faithful. But the verse that continues, not just that I'll go anywhere. He says, but if, my portion, but if it be my portion to bear my cross at home, while others bear their burdens beyond the billow's foam, I'll prove my faith in him, confess his judgments fair, and if he stays with me, I'll stay anywhere. And it may be your lot to stay right here. Be faithful. I've traveled around a lot of miles, like I said, and I, I saw the, some, a lot of billboards along the way. <laughs> There's one that stands out very special. It's actually a, a, an advertisement for the, for, the, for the United States Marines. And it says this, we do not accept applications, only commitments. I like that. That in the service of the Lord, we don't get to say, all right, Lord, here's all the things I'm good at. Here's what I'm going to do. No, he doesn't take applications. He only takes commitments. We're committed to the work in North Brooklyn as much as we can be. I know a lot of people have come and gone and failed at this type of work, but as much as we know how, we are committed to what the Lord would have us to do. And I hope tonight, and I would ask you to maybe look into your life, are you committed to the work of missions here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Brother Mike, there's nothing for me to do. Oh, <laughs> there is plenty for you to do. I'm sure if you walked up to the pastor and said, Brother, said, Pastor Montoro, what can I do? Oh, he would, be, he would love to hear words like that. There's plenty that you can do. There's plenty to be done here for the cause of missions. And you may not have to go out there and, and be one-on-one with somebody. There may be some things that need to be done around here so that the work of the gospel can go on. 
I thank God for a handy pastor, but I'm sure he could use a hand. Amen? Whatever it be, whether you go or stay, find, the purpose, find your purpose in the work of missions. Let's bow for a word of prayer.